Welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast, where you'll learn how to structure terms and use various creative financing strategies to create profitable deals for short and long-term wealth. Whether you're a buy and hold investor, wholesaler, or flipper, learning creative financing will help you do more deals and unlock profits that you may not even know existed. On the Creative Financing Podcast, we break down actual deals we and our guests are doing and simplify the methods and terms used to execute these strategies. Now, let's dive in and create some terms. Hello and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Gallegos, here with Jeff Rappaport. And today, guys, we have a special guest with us by the name of Josh Zaglowski. I love saying that, by the way. I do too. Um, Jay-Z. He's, uh, Jay-Z. Jay-Z, yeah, for sure. If you can't remember, this is a Glowski. Um, so Josh uh, has been in the real estate game for how long, Josh? 17, 18 17 years? 17 years, 03, October of 03. 17 years, and he does, uh, he focuses on commercial now, and we're going to get into some creative uh, ways that he uh, does some deals. Um, so kind of an interesting story here that uh, Jeff was telling me. Jeff was uh, telling me that um, he was Josh's mentor 17 years ago, but Jeff says he wasn't even in real estate back then. <laughs> Is that right, Jeff? No, what we actually met because I was working with someone Josh knew on a deal that um, she had a couple of properties that um, were in distressed situations. And so I met Josh through her and okay. uh, Josh had a relationship with her and then Josh had a partner and why don't I let Josh explain it? Well, I was going to say, I think, I think Jeff just doesn't want to admit he's been doing this for 17 plus years. <laughs> <Funny>. <laughs> I think he tries to say, no, no, I, I helped Josh six years ago. Let's six years. So. A little bit. <laughs> no. Yeah, so Josh, yeah, give yeah, us a little so, introduction. Um, I was in the mortgage business before and uh, at the time before I met Jeff and um, I had a couple of people in my brokerage that were that well one met with Jeff because she was losing uh, she was in default with her house and Jeff at the time if I remember right was concentrating in marketing to notice of default lists so he had people go out not only would he send out mail marketing but he'd have people go out and hit the streets and drop off business cards and stuff and um, you know I, I brought up an old past uh, of Jeff where he used to teach to go get neon cards, neon or a fluorescent, fluorescent looking cards and put them in doors uh, so they could see. And uh, he did that to this lady. Um, and uh, she worked for me at the time as well. And so after she developed a relationship with Jeff over, I don't know, a month or two, she then reached out to me and says, hey, this guy, uh, Jeff Rappaport, you never met him, but he's gonna do a class and you know maybe we can split, split it three ways. Um, and so we went to the class, there was about 30 of us, and uh, I'm kind of condensing this. We went to three days, and at the very last day, Jeff offered an additional mentorship um, where we went to uh, a Christian uh, church Dude. school yeah, <laughs> in their gymnasium, and uh, every other Wednesday night, we would meet for about three hours and just go over stuff. And uh, the one thing I always remember vivid in my mind, and I always tell people, no question's a dumb question, because I was 23 at the time. And 
I remember thinking, hey, I'm going to get the most value out of this as I can. So I'm going to write down every question that comes to mind. And it's kind of funny because one of my questions is Jeff always referred um, to this term called a FISBO. So being a 23-year-old, I'm writing the notes, what is a FISBO? F-I-S-B-O, you know, and because uh, that's the way it sounds, right? And uh, so I said, hey, um, Jeff, before we get going with the class, I, number one, you're doing great. I'm, I'm, I'm so new at this. So I have so many questions. Here's my list of questions. I show him my paper. And he's like, hey, I, I definitely want to go over those. And I think it's going to be valuable to go over it with the group. So I'm going to go over some stuff for the first two hours. And then at the very end, we'll do questions. And I'll call on you first. And I want you to do as many questions as you can. Okay. So I start going over my questions. And my second or third question was, what is a FISBO? And, uh, and I said, you know, and I, sh I think I kind of showed because I, I wrote on the board or something. I wrote FISBO. And he chuckled and says, man, it's funny because I get used to just thinking people know that. And sometimes just basic stuff we don't know. And that's why in real estate, there really isn't a dumb question. I tell people that all the time. And uh, he chuckled and says, no, it means for sale by owner. And right when he said it, it's like one of those things when you have a coach or a mentor, it's like this whole time I was thinking for a couple of weeks, what is this term? And when you try to search FISBO, nothing really pulls up. You know, and back then we didn't have internet, so it was even worse for me. So luckily, Jeff was able to help me to understand what a FISBO was back then. I'm more yeah. curious. So that, that got you involved in residential. And then uh, yeah. Um, yeah, you, I, I think you did some rehabbing. You did some, you did short sales. You did a little bit of everything, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when did you make your transition to commercial and how did that come about? It's been four and a half years now. Um, back about five or six years ago, I was asked by a couple of companies in Utah to help out with uh, seminars um, in real estate, residential seminars. Well, being that I started to get to know a little bit, little bit of that industry, uh, a guy reached out <clears throat> and said, "Hey, come help me. Uh, you know, I'm gonna. I want to be my own guru, and I want to teach people um, residential and a little bit of commercial." So I went and started helping them and uh, we went across the world and would help people in different countries, how to invest in the United States from afar, you know, on Skype and virtually. And uh, as we did that, I saw that he was uh, mentoring people uh, at a very high cost on how to do commercial and his commercial though, there's two sets of commercial. I, I say that, you know, when you're in residential and you want to get commercial, it, the gateway drug is apartments. You know, you, everyone gets in apartments first. Well, I just shouldn't say everyone, but majority, a high percentage. And so I learned how to do apartments, mobile home parks, and hotels, and mostly weekly, weekly hotels with double-digit cap rates. And when you say that, um, it's something with problems sometimes. You know, what's the problem? Is there, is there hookers and pimps, you know, renting from you in your apartment or whatever if you have a high cap rate? So I learned from him and I paid him a, a hefty fee to learn how to uh, do that part of commercial. And then two years later, I uh, then met another gentleman um, and I was a little skeptical with him at first and uh, only because I've never done retail commercial. I've never done uh, warehousing commercial. I've never done um, 
medical office commercial where those are what they call a gross lease or apartments and you know triple net type of leases are uh, those types of commercial and so i've been doing that for two and a half years and for me that's kind of my spot that i love you know and there's little stuff i do here and there not really residential i still do a little bit of residential but i do do something some stuff in storage in apartments but mostly the stuff I'm holding is, you know, retail, warehouse, and uh, medical office stuff. Interesting. Um, do you want to talk about who that person is? The kind of um, the the mentor. Um, yeah. Just, so the, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The one I've been uh, working with for the last two and a half years, a guy named Scott Shield. Um, he's out of uh, Ohio, and the guy's brilliant. And uh, I, I said, as, as far as real estate investor goes, like he, he's up there, top of the top, you know, and uh, knows his stuff, has a great uh, system and, and uh, helps me a ton. So. And it's funny because I know him and I know him back from many, many years ago. I mean, he wouldn't know me, but I know of him. Uh, we, we, I don't know if he started around the same time I did and he may have. Mm -hmm. And we started with the same mentor, Ron Legrand, and he chose the commercial route because I remember Ron was working with him on putting together a commercial uh, program where he was talking about an office building that he had bought and was able to pull out a, I can't remember if it was 400000 or $800,000. And... So he, he has been doing this a long time and um, I, I can vouch for him. He is a smart guy and knows what he's doing. Yeah, for sure. So I, I want to jump in and uh, Jonathan, yep. um, uh, anytime that you have any questions too, please uh, you know, get right on in on this. But I would love to, the, the reason that I wanted to have you on, Josh, is that uh, but we work together on some projects and are looking to do more in the future. But you have a whole different take on creative deals, right? Um, because they're not always the numbers. It's more of how you set them up and what you're trying to accomplish. So I want to dive right into that. Um, let's talk about some different strategies that maybe you use that uh, – yeah, but we don't really discuss on this show at all. So uh, I think this is going to be super interesting for our listeners. Yeah, and can you can you just preface that with what you're doing now, Josh? Are you are you wholesaling? Are you holding these triple net lease properties? Um, are you are you repositioning and selling down the road, or can you just preface kind of what you're doing with these properties right now? Yeah. So. Um... I guess it, it always kind of depends on where the market is, you know, um, you know, right now where the market is with uh, finishing up the, the COVID uh, quarantine that we've had. Um, I'm mostly doing wholesaling and uh, I'm mostly wholesaling apartments, storage, uh, not really stuff in retail warehouse and medical office. Um, however, in those asset classes, I'm, I'm still looking and, and, you know, like he, we talked about Scott a little bit, you know, Scott is recommending, Hey, if there's something that is out there that, you know, has the, has the green flag is, is really, 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 really good. Then tech, take a look at it, but be very cautious, you know, and uh, definitely have other people looking at it with you. So you have more eyes 
uh, looking at all the different aspects because this market's going to be, it's going to be crazy, you know? And so, um, so with that, I'm, I'm working more of like what Jeff talked about, more of a creative type of strategy because sellers are, they're unsure as well. They know some of them have already seen their prices go down. And so they're willing to negotiate a little bit more on that. But my thing is I'm very, every investor's kind of have, has their own niche and where they where they want to put the risk tolerance. For me, I'm a very, very, I, I like a great deal. And if it takes me to, to make 20 to 30 offers uh, on properties to get that one deal, that's fine with me, you know, because my commercial deals are something that's holding for a longer period of time, two to five years or more. Um, and so I'm, I'm very cautious because I know there's a lot of deals out there. Um, and so with that, I, sometimes I'll put a property under contract, uh, for the fact of working that property a little bit. For instance, I was just talking to a seller yesterday about putting it under contract for six months. And so I can work with the city and stuff because, Hey, if it doesn't work out for me, I get my due diligence back and I, I spent some time on it. I, I didn't lose cash. Because once I get into it, I then have other partners slash investors that are putting their money into our properties and, and their money means more than me to my own money, you know? So I'm very cautious with my investors. And so there's different, different directions we go with, with different asset classes. But to answer your question, Jonathan is no, right now with triple nets type of, type of um, investments, I'm not buying those and wholesaling. I'm, I'm mostly wholesaling the, the apartments and storage because there's more buyers if I find those than there would be on the retail and, and warehousing side. Basically, there's too much uncertainty right now in the market of, you know, who can, who's going to survive COVID-19, right? Um, and to what degree? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when we had the mortgage meltdown, you know, I still had my brokerage at that at, at the time. It was getting a call like every other day. Hey, by the way, Washington Mutual just went down. Hey, by the way, the Lehman Brothers <coughs> just went down. You're getting these calls. Now you're seeing Soup Plantation just went bankrupt. Um, Neiman Marcus went bankrupt this week. You're just, you're starting to see this stuff. And so if they're your tenants, you're, you're scared if you're an owner. So you're very cautious on new stuff you're buying. And trying to find out, well, what's the sales have been in that that uh, area for the last couple of years? Because if it's been kind of stagnant, or it's been declining, it's going to continue to decline. You know, so you definitely are, are a lot more cautious and doing a hard harder due diligence, not just uh, you know seeing their sales, but you want to see what the you know the public record of investor relations look like on their website and how their stock's been. So it's it's getting a little bit more detailed. Yep. Yeah. So, but let's let's dive a little deeper into so what what you basically negotiated with this seller is a longer due diligence period to figure things out with the city are you looking for um a buyer are you looking for a tenant are you looking for um you know what what's the end goal so in this type of property actually what happened was um I ended up getting it on a hard corner, which is usually a corner of a busy road. Um, and it's actually a house, a residential house. And 
there's two houses to the next of it, and then there's another house behind hers. So this whole corner ends up being five and a half acres, right? To the kitty corner is, uh, is a grocery store, is a major grocery store. I don't want to say the name yet, but um, there's a major grocery store, and they paid a million and a half when they bought it uh, just a few years ago, an acre, a million and a half an acre. Wow. And I'm buying these four houses, which ends up being five and a half acres for a million dollars. Right. And so rather than just saying, Hey, I'll just pay you cash. We'll be done. I'll go. Do, I might as well, you know, not use my million dollars yet and go put them under contract and, and work the, the creative financing piece where they'll give me six months and they already did for a thousand dollars down on each property. And then uh, what I've already done is I'm going to talk to the city and which I have, I talked to the business developer, our business development person and the city manager. Uh, they both say, Hey, this is an easy deal because we have two commercial spots, kitty corner of you. Uh, it's going to take you 30 days to zone that commercial. Once that is zoned commercial, um, which is in my contract, by the way, I'll then, uh, you know, cause that actually, what happens is if I end up backing out of the deal, that actually helps out the seller. Uh, already because I just zoned it two places at my expense and my time, you know, so you, then, you, you basically put in your contract that you would go for highest and best use of this property, which would be changing the zoning to commercial and whether you follow through or not, that that's potentially where you would leave it with the seller. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Because they're in a, they're in a better spot, you know, <clears throat> cause I, let's say I back out of the deal they have a property that now, now they have a little bit more choices. They don't have to go spend money and time to go to the city. Um, so then when that happens, um, we're probably about 45 days away from having that happen. It's obviously delayed because of the, the city and um, stuff on their meetings, you know, because of the COVID stuff. Um, <clears throat> from there, we'll reach out to national tenants and try to get an LOI, a letter of intent to say, hey, we're interested in coming to this place. Uh, once they do that, then at that time, I'll be closer to just closing the deal and getting those people out of it. And I can start working the, you know, the property around um, this new LOI and probably have one to three LOIs before that happens, before I actually cash out the seller. Uh, once I have that LOI, then I can easily take that to a bank and say, hey, let's say it's uh, a Kroger, you know, because they're national. So I, I take a Kroger and I say, hey, they want to be across the street from this other grocery chain. And, you know, here's, uh, here's what the LOI is. Well, that bank is going to take it. And then they're going to come back and say, okay, we'll let you build out 90% um, of the, we'll pay 90% of the construction costs or 80%. Uh, you got to come up with other 10 to 20%. At that point, I'll reach out to partners, investors and say, hey, I'm going to put my own, this much money of my own money in. This is how much money I'm seeking if you want to be a partner in the deal. Um, at that point, they'll put money in and uh, we'll start building out the center. So this would be, if I understand correctly, this would be a development project that you would end up staying in. Yes. And so it's you a would limited basically lease to this tenant um, for, what, five years, seven years, 10 years, whatever you could get. <clears throat> Triple net lease, which means that they're going to cover taxes, insurance, um, maintenance, repairs. Does it include like, this would be a brand new build, so I wouldn't expect much capital expense, but would it include capital expense as well? It will. Um, there'll be a piece of it because um, 
you know, like you're saying with what triple net actually consists of, let me kind of go over that just a second is if you have an apartment, if you have an apartment complex and you're the owner, you're responsible for all the taxes, insurance. At the very end of the day, it's what your return on an investment is, right? Your ROI. And if there's a leak, you know, the landlord owner is responsible for that. And a triple net um, relationship is kind of like a McDonald's. Let's say I own the, the building and the land, but I don't own McDonald's franchise. Well, typically McDonald's will sign like a 15 to 25 year lease. And just as an example, and if there's a leak, if there's a roof problem, whatever, they pay for it. So now the tenant, you agree, is paying for all the extra maintenance and taxes and insurance. And that's, it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's very cool. I, you know, this one guy in my mastermind group said, I sleep better with triple net leases. So um, I, I totally get that because I've had both sides. I've had gross lease, which is that's apartment side. And then I've had uh, triple net lease side type of stuff. It's actually almost like um, where you would buy something on terms and sell it on terms, right? So you're the note holder, you're the bank. So what you collect every month minus debt service is what you collect. There are no other expenses. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, we talked about the very first, you got to be very careful. Like if I own the building and the land and soup plantation was there and now they're bouncing on me. Now I got to go fill a spot and now I got to, I got to make that payment on whatever that is with no right. income coming in. So there's the risk, you know, but you're, so you're basically taking the risk out of this in terms of you're going to find that tenant or um, yeah, the tenant basically um, before you're putting up any money before you're committing to this, this purchase in any way. Worst case scenario is you don't find that tenant and you walk away. You've spent some time, maybe a little bit of money, probably yeah. not a whole lot. Uh, yeah, not a whole lot because yeah. right when and until they give me the LOI, I haven't done any really engineering. All I've done is just, you know, had an attorney drop something to have it switch from, you know, residential to maybe commercial residential, right. you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. But yeah, so once that, once that happens, um, as far as now coming back to the capital expense is I have an LOI in my hand. I go to the bank, you know, the Bank of America, let's say, and they say, hey, we'll give you 80% of that construction costs, you know, and, you know, that's going to be the building, the, the structure, the, the sewer, all that stuff, and they'll give me 80%, so I know what I need to raise as far as to make the other, other, other monies work to have other people come in and all that kind of stuff. So when the bank is offering you, and I'm, I assume that we'll talk about some other examples that won't be actual development, the actual building. But um, so that's like a construction loan. And are they then willing to, to convert it when it's done to a more permanent loan? Yeah, most will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're not entitling the property. You're not providing a paper lot, I guess, because you're not doing any of the engineering work. So you're just doing a zoning, you're getting a zoning change on, on this example, right? Um, and then my other question is, are you, are you doing a general partnership or just a limited partnership? When so you, when I, when you're raising so to, funds. Yeah. So to answer your question is, um, before I have an LOI, all I've done is I've just done a, um, a transfer of, 
of what the zoning is. That's it, right? So after that's done is when I can then approach, because no, no tenant, national tenant, wants to just hear me, oh, I'm, I'm in the process of getting this commercial zone. So what do you think if I do this? No, they, they won't even waste their time. You know, right. they'll, they'll only wait till it's ready. So yeah. once it's ready is when I present to them and say, hey, here's, here's what we have in place. Here's the vehicles per day on this corner, all this kind of stuff. Are you interested? You know, and they'll, they, they don't let you know right offhand. They'll go do some due diligence and they'll let you know in two to four weeks. And so that's why that six month period is kind of put out there as well. Um, let's say they do. Um, then we develop a company. You know, let's just, call, let's just say it's a, some sort of corporation, whatever that is, you know, LLC or whatever. Then we'll have a general partnership to a limited partnership. Uh, limited partnership is people that doesn't want to do the day-to-day, -day, but they want their money to work for them. They want to be part of this project where they receive two to three incomes uh, through that partnership. A general partnership would be me and my partners where we take on the day-to-day. -day. We take on going to get the tenants, all that kind of stuff. And then we um, converse and you know get blessings from our limited partners on, you know, hey, we're going to do this because we obviously have the majority ownership most of the time. And so we'll say, this is what we're going to do. Uh, you know, what do you guys think? And we'll, we'll get their input. But, um, and believe me, sometimes limited partners have came up with some awesome ideas that has helped us to kind of relook at things and move things around. So that's the, that's the value they bring is not only some capital to be part of the project, uh, but also some insight. Well, there's plenty of limited partners that really know what they're doing, right? Yeah. They, they just don't want to be the operator, uh, right. you know, leading the whole, the whole thing. Um, and they should know what they're doing. I mean, they're putting up potentially sizable amounts of money. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's exactly right. I mean, there's a gentleman I've, uh, I've watched in a seminar type of aspect that he's out of California. He's got a big uh, real estate brokerage, both in residential, not in commercial, actually, just residential. And then he also uh, coaches CEOs of big companies, Fortune 500 companies. And when I was talking to him, I thought, you know, I want to get to know this guy. And so we were talking. He told me, oh, he, he never wants to be a general partner. He only wants to be a limited partner, you know. So by all means, send, send a, you know, a prospectus to him regarding X property or whatever. But um, I always encourage limited partners to, I want them to be educated because, I want them to know all the bad stuff. You know, this guy told me that term years ago um, when I was sitting there trying to recruit him for a, a mortgage company. He stopped me and goes, Josh, and this is when I was about 21, 22. And he goes, Josh, I don't want to hear everything good with this. Tell me all the bad stuff. Because when I have to cross that bridge of something bad, I already know what's going to happen. I can adjust to that. Since he told me that from, from then to now, that's the attitude I work is I love to know everyone to know the bad stuff um, because then there's no surprise. I don't want surprises. You know, yeah. I want to be very upfront and let them know the risk, all that kind of thing. Cause there's reward and there's risk. Yeah. You know, if you know both, that's what we want. So I'm curious, Josh, how do you know what, what to go after? What, what kind of companies to go after um, as your, your potential tenant and, how do you just reach out to them and uh, know who to talk to and um, you know what it is that you're, you know, obviously you need to get a certain price. I mean, the, the construction, you got to take into 
account construction costs and you know building this building and you know making sure that the that your debt service is less than what your your lease is right so right. there's a lot of uh, moving parts here and i want i want our listeners to understand one that even though it sounds super complicated i i don't know if it is but i'm curious what your mindset is in terms of where do you go? All right, you have this vision now, but you know, why do you think there would be another grocery store? Or um, you know, how do you decide and, and who do you go to? Right. No, I think when you were talking, it, it was reminding me of uh, John Rockefeller. You know, he, said in, he said, I'd rather make 1% on 100 people than 100% on myself. And when you were talking, it reminded me of part of a partnership that I love about what I've loved about commercial is having other partners that have better abilities than myself. And, uh, and I'm, it's easy for me to say that because it's, it's the type of thing of like, Hey, we, we got to run numbers on this. Okay. I have a partner that's really good at running numbers. And so I'm going to hand this to him and have him go over those to make sure this is a valid property, you know, cause that, that's that's part of our partnership is and that's what I love it's about bringing on these other partners um, throughout properties like someone texted me yesterday hey I got a couple of these things I want to talk to you about great I love I love uh, starting new partnerships you know and uh, so when you when you talk about that what do you go over kind of what I talked about at the very beginning about this particular property is we don't know which national tenant is going to come in and that's part of bringing that risk tolerance down for me is being under uh, the property contract for six months. It's going to take me 30 to 45 days to get that transferred over. Then from there, I have three to four months to really go out and get it. Just like leasing agents in commercial that put up a sign and say, hey, are you interested in this? We have access to those types of leads that we can be more proactive. We can get on the phone and and have someone or us call national tenants all day long um, and the right people at these companies to find out who would be interested in taking a look. Sometimes leasing agents um, and leasing agents know who those leasing agents are, just put up a sign and they take the lazy route of waiting to someone to drive by or finding it on the, on the commercials MLS and then you stay there for a year and a half. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when when I first got going, I was like, wow, this is a different approach of being just a little bit more aggressive on finding those national tenants. And so there'll be a list that I'll probably pull of like two to 300 uh, people that have said, hey, if there's ever an opportunity um, in the Utah market or in this is, you know, the northern Utah market, for instance, a specific county. We yep. can pull the list of people that have shown interest uh, in that, you know. And then you're probably looking at square footage of, you know, how big is your building going to be and what type of business would be the best fit or businesses maybe even, right? Yeah. Where you, you yeah, when we, up. yeah, before we start talking to an engineer and all that kind of stuff, we want to see who's interested first because if it's a Les Schwab versus a Wendy's, those are two different buildings. Right. Those are two, two different, you know, parking lots, all that kind of stuff. And so before we, uh, you know, before we talk to an engineer, we want to talk to who's 
who's going to be what they call the anchor, the anchor tenant, the main person in there that's going to rule the rest of the of the tenants. You know, like when you go to a Kroger, it's not just Kroger. There's little spots on the right of it. It could be a supercuts or whatever. So you want to make sure you have an anchor first, and then you kind of build around that. You know, because then you'll you'll have an idea of what the engineer needs to 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 build it for. Now, when you have maybe four or five other spots, you're you're calling uh, supercuts, and you're saying, "Hey, supercuts or great clips, whatever it is, we have a spot that would fit, and we're putting Kroger right in the middle. Do you want the spot right next to Kroger, or do you want to be on the very end? You know, and then you're kind of working on now you have a thousand square feet to work with. You know. Yep. So. And you, yeah, I could I could come up with questions for you for three hours. I love that. This isn't something that I do. <laughs> yeah. And um, but I, I find it, you know, this is how you get rich, right? Uh, th this is um, uh, where you really can get wealthy. And uh, so I'm curious, uh, do you have some place where you go where you say, hey, th this is what a thousand square feet would rent for, for, you know, as far as a lease. So you're getting some idea of, you know, what, what those numbers are going to be. And, uh, you know, you're probably putting together some construction costs about what it's going to cost to tear down these houses, build, you know, it almost sounds like it might be a strip mall, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. And but to build, you know, whatever it's going to be, a hundred thousand square feet, five hundred thousand square feet, whatever it's going to be. Do you have resources where you go to find that kind of information? Yeah. So, go ahead, Jonathan. Yeah, we're at kind of the we're a little over the thirty minute mark here. So, uh, if you can hold that question, Jeff, if we yeah. can just wrap this up, we're going to do two episodes here, guys, um, because it, this strategy, there's so much uh, compacted into it and it's so interesting. Um, so let's wrap it up there, guys. Uh, well, thank you, Josh, first of all, for being on the podcast and, and doing this with us. Um, this is definitely a you know, a fresh perspective into, you know, creative ways of investing in real estate. Um, so guys, if you love this content, please like and review us wherever you get your podcasts, um, especially hitting that like button. It really helps us get ranked higher up there in iTunes. Um, and if you want to reach us specifically for question, comments, uh, if there's a deal you're working on, you need help with, um, reach, reach out to us on our hotline. And that phone number is 877-409-8090. And you can also text uh, creative financing or CFP to that number to get uh, special access to a step-by-step -step video that uh, Jeff put together on uh, coming up with creative financing offers. Um, you can also reach us on uh, Facebook. Our Facebook page is the creative financing podcast, and uh, you can find all of our episodes at the creative financing podcast.com. Um, any last words, Jeff? And soon on Instagram, Twitter, and more actively on Facebook, as we have found someone to help us with some social media. And if you're interested in learning uh, wholesaling and some creative financing, I have an apprentice program, uh, zero pressure. Uh, but if you want to work with us, 
happy to do so. Just call into the hotline and say that you're interested in learning more about it. Yes. Cool. Okay, guys, thanks for listening. And uh, until next time, go out there and create some terms. Thanks for listening to the Creative Financing Podcast. We need your feedback to continue to bring you the best strategies in creative financing. So please subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We greatly appreciate your ear and please pass this on. Until next time, create some terms. This show offers general information on creative financing strategies and real estate investments. Nothing contained herein should be considered personal, legal, or financial advice. Every state has individual laws governing the use and type of documents used to execute strategies discussed herein. You should consult with a local licensed real estate broker and attorney before relying on any information contained herein. Information is not guaranteed, and opinions of the guests are their own. Profits are not guaranteed, and there's always inherent risk in real estate investing.